You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, and welcome to Catholic Saints. I am Taylor Kemp, the Director of Formed, and with me is Dr. Ben Akers, our Chief Content Officer. Thanks for having me. It is a joy to be talking about a saint today. Today we are talking about Saint Jerome. Uh, who is Saint Jerome? Saint Jerome is one of my favorite saints. Okay, great. Place I, have to start. I have lots of saints that are my friends. Mm-hmm. I hope they count me as their friend. I'm sure they do. I hope so. They're they're charitable because they're charitable. Yeah, right. Because exactly. they're full of charity. They wouldn't choose. That's right. Hol- holiness is the perfection of charity. That's yes, the definition exactly. given in the Second Vatican Council. There we go. So, so perfection. Saint Jerome has been perfected in charity. He's a saint. So he would be my friend. He is your friend. He is my friend. He is alive. Yes. So he's actually a early church, father of the church. He's a doctor of the church. He's considered actually one of the great Western doctors. Okay. Uh, this is how influential he is. Mm-hmm. I'll give you his dates. He is born somewhere between 342 and 347, and then he dies in 420. Okay. He dies on September 30th, 420. Great. So his feast day is, is on. on September 30th. Awesome. So it's actually his death day. So in the Catholic tradition, we celebrate that as the Dies Natalis, the day of birth. Not the birthday, but the birthday into eternal life. Wonderful. So we celebrate that with him. Okay. What he, else do we know about him? We actually know a lot about uh, Jerome because he's a very prolific writer, maybe second, to, definitely second to Augustine. Augustine's the most prolific, but mm-hmm. he's he's up there with Augustine. He actually even knew Augustine. They yeah, corresponded. Yeah, dates overlap. They corresponded with one another. He's actually born in modern-day Croatia okay. on the Dalmatian coast, and his full name is Eusebius Sophrinus Hieronymus. Wouldn't have expected Jerome to come out of that. But. So you know what? Jer- so Jerome comes from the Latin Hieronymus, which is Hiero, holy, nomos, name. Oh, holy holy name. name. So his Very name nice. means holy name. All right. Yeah. So Saint Holy Name, <laughs> Jerome also known today, as Jerome, uh, is incredibly intelligent, and it's recognized by his family, his village, and so he goes to Rome to study grammar and rhetoric. Okay. So he's not a Christian at this time. Similar to Augustine there too, studied rhetoric. Exactly. Very well educated and mm-hmm. very gifted intellectually. So he goes to Rome, learns Latin, learns Greek, um, learns uh, the classic literature of you know, the Greek poets and the Latin uh, writers and poets as well. And uh, he, in Rome, is has a deep, has a conversion okay. to the Christian faith. So he wants to he wants to convert to the Christian faith. He's about 30 years old, they think, about when he converts to the faith. But, so he's baptized as an adult, but he struggles in his living out the Christian life okay. while he's in Rome. Moral it's just, life I mean, is it's, not... It's the capital city there. of the world, right? right? I mean, there's lots of things to distract oneself yes. with. And so he has a deep, has a conversion moment. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. He talks about this. He writes about it. And if you read anything about Jerome, this, this is usually the story that's brought up is he's dreaming one night, and he's brought before a tribunal, a judge, and they say, who are you? What condition are you in? You know, mm-hmm. what, what kind of person are you? He's like, oh, I'm a Christian. And the voice says, no, you're Ciceronian, mm-hmm. so a follower of mm-hmm. Cicero, Cicero. The, the Roman uh, philosopher and order. He says, no, no, I'm a Christian. He's like, no, I don't recognize you as a Christian. You're a Ciceronian. Mm. And he keeps shouting, I'm a Christian. Mm. And the voice keeps saying, no, you're not. And he gets, you know, in the dream, he's he's being beaten, and it, he wakes up in a panic and realizes, wait, I'm actually more of a disciple of Cicero than mm-hmm. I am of Jesus Christ. So it's a, a deep conversion moment in his life. He starts to spend time in the catacombs in Rome, okay. visiting the tombs of the apostles, <clears throat> excuse me, at the churches in Rome, 
walking into the spending time in the dark catacombs where the early martyrs were kept. And from this point on, he never reads another classic piece of literature. Wow. Okay. Even though you can tell when you're writing that he's he's read he refers yeah, yeah, to classics, he, but yeah. he said, "No, I will only commit to knowing Jesus Christ and wow. His Word." So this, this, you know, as as astute and diligent as he was in studying the classics of the Romans and the Greeks, he doubles down and turns that up with his study of the Word of God in Scripture. And so then uh, after his this this moment of conversion, he wants to live as a hermit. So he goes okay. into the desert to live an ascetical life, a life of penance and uh, prayer. And he goes to the deserts in Syria, Antioch. Mm-hmm. And he meets a man who's converted from the Jew, who is a former Jewish man who knows Hebrew, converts to the Christian faith. Okay. So he spends time with him and says, teach me Hebrew. Mm-hmm. I want to actually read the scriptures mm-hmm. in Hebrew. And so he takes the Hebrew text and... Uh, and then even starts to translate it into um, Greek. Okay. In 382, he moves to Rome, Italy. He goes back to Rome because Pope Damasus come, becomes the pope, and Pope Damasus is a fanboy okay. of Jerome. Like yeah. he like loved his letters. Yeah, yeah. He saw and like would copy them by hand. He said, "Can you come and be my secretary and my counselor?" Mm. So Jerome obliges, comes back to Rome, and Damasus as a personal. Uh, plea to Jerome says, can you, we need a better translation of scripture. Hmm. We need a better translation. There was a Latin translation mm-hmm. called the Vetus Latina, he said, but it was it was not a great translation. He says, you know languages so well. You know yeah. Hebrew, you know Greek, you know Aramaic. Can you translate the scriptures? It makes me think of, because wasn't Augustine's translation of the scriptures not very good? Yes, there's some errors and some yeah. manuscript and copy errors. Yes. Okay. Yep. So it's a really beautiful pastoral plea of Damasus. Why does he want the scriptures translated? So that it is accessible to the people. To the people, yeah. And he wants the best translation possible, so we can actually get the words of the Old Testament. We can actually Mm -hmm. get the words of Christ Mm -hmm. in the the New Testament. And so he begins working on this, and he translates the Gospels, and it's this is where we get what we call the Vulgate, if you've heard of that. So Vulgate is just a Latin word for vulgar is the, the root English word, which just means common. Okay. So not like vulgar language. It means common, right, language, common language of people language. on the street. So like, that people can understand. Yes. Yeah, so it's yeah. a really beautiful, make it accessible. And then he begins to translate the Psalms mm-hmm. because he because Damasus says that this is what we pray every day. Yeah. And so can you do that next? So he did the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Then he started working on the Psalms. And then Damasus um, passes away. Okay. So while Jerome is in Rome under Damasus's papal reign, he gets to know many of the wealthy people wealthy mm-hmm. families, the, the 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 old Senate families of, mm-hmm. of ancient Rome, and they have lots of money, and they're also converting to the Christian faith. Mm. And they ask, they, they become friends, men and women, with Jerome. In particular, he's friends with two widows, Paula and Marcella, mm-hmm. and they go to, you know, they, they don't want to remarry, they actually want to live a very ascetical and prayerful life, and so they said, can you teach us in spiritual direction? Can you be our spiritual director? Mm. And not only can you be a spiritual director, can you actually teach us to read scripture like you read scripture? Cool. He says, I'll do better than that. I'll teach you how to read scripture like I read scripture and pray scripture like I pray scripture. I'll teach you actually how to learn the languages mm. of scripture, and you can help me translate. Nice. Yeah, and do exegesis. Ro- and, recruiting and, help. And, yeah, recruiting yeah. help, right? But this is unheard of. This yeah, is, right, this is the fourth century, the yeah, fifth century that wow. we're talking about. Like, So he, uh, these really noble women that become his patrons, you know, pay for the things that he needs and pay for all the people that are following Jerome. Uh, this creates a jealousy among the Roman clergy. So among the yeah, priests. Yeah, you can see that, yeah. 
So Damasus was a reforming pope. So already mm-hmm. 300 years after Christ, the church, the, need the church needs reformed. Damasus is a reforming clergy. So he starts to be accused of being improper relationships with these women. Okay. And so he gets he, so he just gets <laughs> driven out of Rome. All the time. You, hear, you read this about so many of the I know, saints. isn't it? Like they yeah. get persecuted. It's all the time, yeah. And so he actually goes to uh, Bethlehem. Okay. And these women follow him along with some men. He sets up a monastery for women that he puts Paula in charge of and her daughter Eustochium. And then uh, he was in charge of the the male, uh, the, the male house, the monastery. Him. He also builds a house for pilgrims because he's he's transformed by going to the Holy Land. Before he said, "This is amazing. We mm-hmm. should have more people come." So he builds a house for pilgrims. Cool, because he remembers that Mary and Joseph had no place to stay. So he wants a place for wow. people to stay. Yeah, yeah. So he's in Bethlehem, and he actually teaches part of his day. He teaches the the young little boys and girls uh, Greek and Latin okay. for free. Wow. He just he, he just has a heart for so educating yes. and teaching others about the faith. So he has this whole uh you know, this group of women that are working on this, you know, hospitality, but also working on translating and interpreting scripture mm-hmm. and a group of men as well. And uh when you look at the people that he interacted with in his life besides Saint Paula, Saint Eustochium and Marcella, um, he met Saint Gregory Nanzianzen. Yeah. He actually went and studied scripture under him because wow. he said, "I want to learn how to interpret scripture like you interpret scripture." Wow, that's cool. Saint Rufinus has a beautiful commentary on the creed. Um, Saint Nicetas, Saint Chrysogonus, as well. He knew these men among others, and as I already mentioned, Saint uh, Augustine as well. Um, he writes several kinds of works. Um, some are exegetical. He's, he's explaining scriptures. Some of his works are what we might be called, they're called like controversial in the sense of there's a controversy of the day, there's a heresy mm-hmm. that people are debating, and he's going to weigh in he's on it. Tackle it. So yeah. He's going to give some doctrine. Okay. Uh, and then we have some beautiful letters that he, that he writes, over 100 letters, where he's explaining a certain passage that someone writes him about, or he's giving, this is my interpretation of the doctrine uh, that the church teaches. Um, also, moral advice. Like, how do you live out the Christian life in today's world? Mm-hmm. He, he he was convinced, especially because of that that story, the dream that he had, mm-hmm. that there is a sharp contrast between the way that the pagans looked at the world mm-hmm. and, the, and then the disciple of Christ would look at the world. The Ciceronians versus... The Ciceronians versus the Christians. And he yeah. just said, you know, we can learn, you know, he learned the language and rhetoric and all these beautiful, writing beautiful letters from this tradition. Mm-hmm. But he saw, but the way that they approach the world, the way they interpret the world is completely different. It sounds like the letter to Diognetus. I don't know when, that was that second century? Yeah, that's earlier. Yeah, but that's like contrasting that you, if you're a Christian, your, your life cannot look like the ways of the world. They have to be yes, two different exactly. ways of looking at things. Yes, and uh, some other, and, and then it's just beautiful letters of friendship mm-hmm. where he was really reaching out friends in time, uh, to, to friends and consoling them, encouraging them, exhorting them. Now there's a, you know, People often accuse Jerome of being crotchety. I was wondering and angry, when that was coming out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's Having definitely a temper. His, his temper, his passion, right? I mean, he, he was a human being. He was being. a passionate he, man. He was a passionate man. And so the the mm. um, the passion comes out in some of his letters. There's something in that, that because you can tell this is a, a very driven man in that like he has this conversion experience and he radically changes his life. He goes into the desert, he learns all these languages, he travels, he seeks out the wisdom of the wise. Like he's someone who uh, is he's going for it? Like he he has a conversion. He's a very choleric personality. Yeah, he is, and, he's very and so you know, I, I feel like that's got to be a consolation for anybody who out there who's raising choleric children who are like very strong willed. And you're like, oh my gosh, how do I rein this person? In? It's like 
this passion is good. Like yep. St. Jerome found the way uh, in God's providence for his passion to be at the service of the church and, and to build up the church. So that that's the task, I guess, so to say. But I mean, you can tell he's a passionate man just by the way he lives his life. Like he he had a conversion and he went into the desert and then learned like four languages to right. translate the scriptures in a cave. He actually said that he learned Hebrew to keep his chastity in check. There you go. It was such See, a hard like, language. He's like, I'm going to learn Hebrew to distract me from unchaste thoughts. There's any students out there who are in Hebrew <laughs> class, like there's the added benefit. Right, sign up for Hebrew <laughs> if you've got a chastity problem. Yeah, no, and and I just have a couple more thoughts and then we could discuss. I, yeah. His He dies in Bethlehem on September 30th, 14, 420. His feast day is September 30th. And then we have a couple images that we can go through about some of where the art, how you recognize Jerome in yes, art. Because yeah, this is, you know, people have questions. Paintings. There are some famous paintings yeah. here. Uh, but he's a patron saint of biblical scholars. Okay. So if yeah. you know, scripture scholars, translators, which makes sense, librarians, and archivists. Cool. Uh, they keep all the history. Up. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do have this wonderful, there's this wonderful quotation that I'm, I hope that you are familiar with as a viewer. It's from the Second Vatican Council quoting St. Jerome. It's a famous quotation. I thought we could have a conversation about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Mm. And this comes from his commentary on the book of Isaiah, where St. Jerome says, so it's a commentary on the book of the Old Testament, Isaiah. And he says, look, if you don't know the Old Testament, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. This echoes what his friend Augustine would say, Christ is hidden in the old, revealed in the new. So what... Jerome, one of the things that Jerome is saying by this quotation is, if we don't know the written word of God, right. scripture, we're not going to know the incarnate word of God, Christ, as well yeah. as we could, as well as we should. Well, in, in scripture too, I mean, so uh, they're both the word of God, like Christ is the word personified, and then scripture we say is the word of God. But um, in so many ways, the word of God, it is um, God's love letter to humanity. It's, it's him revealing himself in so many different ways through the story of Israel and then the coming of Christ and then the story of the church. Um, but, you know, like Christ, the person, is accessible to us because of the scriptures uh, and in prayer and, and in the Eucharist and most especially. But it also, especially in the Old Testament, it prepares us to understand who the person of Christ is. So you you can never separate the two. So that makes, I mean, it makes perfect sense. You you hear that and you're like, well, yes, obviously. But then it's like, okay, yes, but do when I go and read and pray with sacred scripture, am I understanding like these are God's words that were given like as they are for the sake of my drawing into a deeper relationship with him. It's just, it, it's very powerful, I feel like, when you approach the, the scriptures in that way. And he has a beautiful phrases in his letters where he'll talk about Eustochium, the daughter of Paula, who's you know almost like a spiritual daughter to himself. And he's like, look, fall asleep with your head on the word of God. Yeah, and then when you great. wake up, start reading the word of God. It's like, it's a great way to end the day and start the day. Which uh, you can it, do on the Amen app now. Which you can well, do on the Amen app. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Listen to the meditation. That's, yes. that's good. Um he says we have to read scripture often, and he was convinced mm. that the word of God that was in scripture was given to us, was given to the church, and we should read it with the mind of the church. But when you read it, there's a word for you, yeah, and that word for you is not only for you, but also for others. Mm. So you should enter into the dialogue with it, and now should share it with others. Yep. And so that's why it was important for him not just to read the scriptures, keep it himself, offer good translation, but also to ex, you know, offer exegesis, a drawing out of the text. That's what exegesis means, to draw yeah. out of the text its meaning so that you can share that with others. Yeah, so uh, scripture has to be part of the life of the Christian, for sure. Mm -hmm. Daily scripture reading. Um, if, you, if you're looking for places to start the Gospels, 
are just a great place to that's start. That's where he started. That's a great way to start. Yeah. Uh, he has some beautiful phrases like, the soul is the temple of God, right? We say this all the time, the, the soul is the Holy Spirit, but that, that's he's, he, that's one of his phrases. Um, he said, he considered our souls when they're full of God's grace as precious gems. Mm. You want to keep polished and clean, mm-hmm. and so they shine most brightly. And then there's an, actually an encyclical written by Pope Benedict the fifteenth mm-hmm. in 1920, all on St. Jerome. Wow, okay. Spiritus Paracletus. Okay, I haven't if, read that if you one. Haven't, it's a beautiful short document you can find on the Vatican website, but here's one of the quotations from St. Jerome about uh, he, discovering the precious pearl of the gospel. There's one most priceless pearl, the knowledge of the Savior, the mystery of his passion, the secret of his resurrection, mm. the whole Paschal mystery. So mm-hmm. the, the, he saw that the precious gem, the precious um, pearl, the pearl of great price was actually to know Jesus as he's revealed in the scriptures. That's so great. Yeah. Well, and so in art, how do we recognize uh, Jerome? We just have a couple images here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a famous Caravaggio. So often with Jerome, you'll see him bald-headed with a long beard, kind of unkempt, often with his shirt off. <laughs> and the reason he's got his shirt off is that uh, because of his austere penances. Okay, It's also probably hot in the desert when he's working right, and translating right. in the cave of Bethlehem. But it's the austere penances. So he doesn't care for himself. He cares mm-hmm. for our Lord. Always with a book, because he's you know, or several books yeah. in, in this case. He's translating, so you can see he's looking at one, about to write on another. Also a skull, just to remind himself. We see this often in saints. It's called a memento mori, mm-hmm. to remember your death. That always that he remembered the sins of his youth, and he always wanted to make atonement for mm-hmm. those. And then we see him draped in red here. And the reason he's draped in red is often you'll see uh, Jerome was a priest. Uh, he was not a bishop. But you'll see him uh, in red or with a cardinal's hat to signal that he's a was a counselor to the Pope. Okay. That's what the cardinals are, they're counselors to yeah. the Pope. In this next image, what we see is an icon, and we see Jerome with a lion, and then we'll also see this in the next image as well. Jerome, you'll often see with the lion, and the I think it represents different things that, you know, the, his kind of, his personality mm-hmm. <laughs> was like a lion. But there's also a story that's added later, it's a legend that said that when he was in the deserts praying, a lion had a thorn stuck in his paw, mm-hmm. And he pulls the thorn out, and then the lion was his trusted companion the rest of his life. Hmm. It's a good teaching school, well, walking around with a lion. <laughs> well, and I've always heard that was in relation to his uh, his temper, that like his the lion had this thorn in his paw, and that in his like conversion or in his struggle for holiness, he took the thorn out in his own anger. Also, tempered, that, yeah. like the like the lion. When he met, met the lion. Yeah, I like this. The merging of the two. Yeah, and so you see him with a book. We yeah. see him in the rocky ground again. The idea is that he's he's doing. Penance, he's, he's living, living yeah, in very the desert. ascetical life. And then the last image, again, probably a famous mm. image of it's Rome that's a great looking image. to the cross, but also looking to the word of that's God. That's so good. That's a, yeah. Isn't that nice? Like that we should just take a on this one. We should. This is, that's a great image. Because you see the lion on the bottom who's holding the book you up. You could for do a him. lot. On, yeah, this is. And he's looking at Christ. He's looking at the book, but he's about to turn to Christ and say, What does this mean to me? What wow, is, yeah, yeah. How do I interpret this, this scene? Yeah, that's really good. All right, I got a list of uh, some takeaways. Yeah, or, great. Uh, some what can we learn from him today? Yeah. I mean, a lot of this has been drawn yeah. out, but uh, I feel like what are our Ciceros? You know, like him when he's having that dream. Yeah. What are the things that are keeping us from being a fully um, committed Christian? Uh, I I loved that he went when he was in the midst of his conversion. He sought the catacombs, really the intercession mm-hmm. of the saints. Mm-hmm. That uh, that's such an important aspect of our lives of faith is to turn to our heavenly friends, like yep. Saint Jerome. Uh, the value of the ascetical life, how you cannot, um, no matter what our states in life are, there is a way in which we are supposed to deny ourselves for the sake of the gospel. That's good. Um, I also love that he, you know, he, he, 
I'm thinking before he ever translated the Vulgate, which was one of his largest con- uh, contributions to the church, uh, how he did all that all that work in the languages to learn, which I'm sure was just, I mean, shoot, he learned Hebrew to tame his own uh, for the sake of chastity in a way. But it would have been a lot of work. It would have been grueling work. I'm sure it would have been monotonous and boring and any drudgery at times to, to learn all of these things. Uh, but in God's providence, then, that was supposed to be like laid at the feet of the church in a way, and he became a true servant, translating the Vulgate and all these letters and all that he did. Uh, and for us, it's like, what? how has God prepared each one of us and is preparing us uh, knowing that what we are going through is for the sake of the body, That's that, is, that yep. is the church, and yep. not our own gain. I love that he sought out faithful guides, mm-hmm. uh, St. Gregory of Nazianzen and, and others, uh, that he is someone who knew, I want to grow in love of Christ, uh, and then sought men and women who could help him in that endeavor, and then kind of journeyed with them. And then uh, really just what I had, a point I had made earlier, channeling his passion, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever temperaments we've been given, all of us have been given different gifts. Um, letting that like kind of ride, uh, whatever that may be. Like, I'm sure there were times where he was like, oh, I wish I wasn't this way. And it's like, well, if he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't have done all that he did. And in God's right. province, it was like, that is what enabled him to do that. So asking the question again, how can I serve Christ and the church? I love it. That's, That's all I got. That's very good. It's good. Yeah. So Jer- awesome drums, a, yeah, drums, a great patron in heaven. So seek his intercession. St. Drum, pray for us. Pray for us. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustine Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, ebooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustine Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.